morning again, church. Always a great, great blessing to see people's faces. This is a great crowd. Thank you so much for coming out and worshiping with us in the sanctuary today. If you have a Bible, turn with me, if you will, please, to the book of Proverbs. Specifically, we're going to start off this morning in chapter 3. Chapter 3 in the book of Proverbs. We'll start in verse number 11, go through verse number 18, and then we will go off into a lot of different passages of Scripture this morning. Uh, we've talked over the last few weeks about different themes in the book of Proverbs, where Proverbs gives us wisdom about life, and it gives us wisdom about life in a lot of different categories and areas, which is essentially what we've been doing, just kind of going systematically, if you will, through various topics that we find in Proverbs. We've talked about just wisdom in general. We've talked about folly. We've talked about anger. We've talked about the tongue. This morning, I want to talk to you about correction. How do we respond to correction? Let me define what we mean by correction first, and then we'll have it in view as we go throughout our study here together this morning. Correction, what is that? It's when we're doing something that might be foolish, it might be just wrong, or it might even be something that's not necessarily bad or foolish, but it's just not the best. And the Word of God or the Scriptures, God Himself, the people of God, come to us and say, hey, there is a better way to do this. That's what we're talking about when it comes to correction. Do you respond to that well, or do you not respond to that well? Uh, as with last week, as we're going we're gonna to go through the book of Proverbs here on this theme, it might be helpful for you if you have a copy of the actual notes that I'm using here today. So it's on the website again. You can go there. You can pick that up. If you're watching at home, you can pick that up. Or even here in the sanctuary today, you can go on your iPhone or, or your iPad or whatever you've got, and you can pull those up and you can follow along with me. I think I should also mention, I believe there's some coloring things for children as well today. So you might want to make sure that you give them that and they can go through it with us. So the book of Proverbs, wisdom. Let's start together in chapter 3, verse number 11. We'll go through verse number 18. The Bible says this, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father the son in whom he delights. And then he says, Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver, her gain than fine gold. She's more precious than rubies, and all the things that you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who will take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. Father, bless us, we pray. As we give ourselves once again to the study of your word. Lord, we are all, every single one of us, people that need from time to time or even on a daily occurrence, correction. We set ourselves to pathways and courses of nature that ultimately, Lord, will lead to destruction, harm, or a lack of thriving. Father, we pray that you would indeed speak to our hearts and to our minds this day as we think about correction from the book of Proverbs, that, Lord, we would properly disposition ourselves before you in such a way that you can, you can speak to us and that we will listen and hear and that we will be corrected. 
Father, we see and we understand that ultimately correction comes from you because you love us and you want what's best for us. And so, Father, help us to listen with that in mind today. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's the question for you today. Are you hard-headed? Are you hard-headed? I heard a lot of laughs just now. I heard more laughs than I normally hear when I have my opening question for you at the beginning of something. Maybe the better question is, in what ways are you hard-headed? Or over what things are you hard-headed? I, now, I'm just going to tell you this. I am the epitome of hard-head. And I'm married to someone who's equally hard-headed as me. And we can butt heads in very unique and interesting ways from time to time because both of us can see it in a certain way. And man, we're locked in and we can be very, very hard-headed. And I think the truth of the matter of it is, for most of us, we are hard-headed about lots and lots of things in our lives. Maybe we're hard-headed about our diet. Maybe we're hard-headed about TV shows. Or maybe we're hard-headed about work patterns or what have you. We're all hard-headed in a lot of different ways. But maybe the better question today is, are we hard-headed and stiff-necked when it comes to the instruction from the Word of God? That is to say, when there are things in our lives that are destructive, or there are things in our lives that are not life-producing, or there are just things in our lives that are flat-out sinful, and we know we shouldn't do it, and we listen to the Word of God preached reminding us and urging us not to do it. And when we're corrected on it in those moments, how do we respond? Do we puff up? Do we dig in our heels? Do we become stiff-necked and hard-headed in those moments? And if we do those things, and ultimately what the book of Proverbs is going to say to us really loudly today is that you are a fool if you do that. By contrast, if we receive correction from the Word of God, then we're wise and we're filled with life. And as chapter 3 has just said, listen, when we find wisdom via correction, remember when God corrects us, He corrects us because He loves us. He corrects us because He knows what's best for us. He corrects us because He sees and He knows that we're on a pathway that will lead to hardship and sorrow. And He's trying desperately to pull us off of that pathway onto a path of life. So He corrects us because He loves us. And therefore, when we receive that correction, we find a path of life. And everything that we find in that moment is better than anything else we could have imagined. He says it's like gold. It's like silver. It's better than rubies. Anything you could imagine you would want, this is better. Simply put, when we receive correction, we acknowledge to God that you really do know better than I do. And I think at the core, our hard-headedness is a, just a repugnant form of pride. Where we insist on thinking that we know better than God. How foolish we are in those moments. So... What I want us to do today is I want us to understand as we go through the book of Proverbs that what Proverbs is really going to show us is once again, here's the pathway of the fool and here's the pathway of the wise. And when we take up this issue of correction, the fool will be one who scoffs at correction and the wise will be one who gladly receives correction. That's as simple as I could make it today. And as we do one of those two things, we are literally either choosing death or choosing life. And so I 
frame all of this today against the backdrop of that statement that Jesus made in John chapter 10, verse number 10. He said this, remember these words, The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Let's set all of our study today about correction against the backdrop of our Lord's words. The thief is trying to destroy us. But the Son of God has come that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Now, as we go into the book of Proverbs on correction, I'm going to make essentially eight general kinds of statements to us today about correction from Proverbs. First of all, number one, those who receive correction preserve life and thrive. This is what we've just seen here in chapter 3 as I read to it to start off with. Verse 11, my son, don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Notice how the, the, the proverbist puts his finger on our natural disposition in the moment of correction. Someone corrects us on something wrong we have done, and what do we do? We chasten at it. We bristle at it. We bow up with it. We dig in with it, and we do not respond well. Do not chasten. Do not despise this chastening from the Lord, nor detest His correction. It's just our natural disposition to hate it in those moments. But he wants us to understand this, verse number 12. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Sure, God could just let us go in that moment. God could just say, okay, you want to do that? Go for it. Leave. Go. Do it. I won't correct you. I won't intervene. I won't bring hardship on you. Just go. But that would be an indication that the Lord doesn't love us. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Just in the same way that the Father to the Son in whom he delights. Fathers in this room and mothers as well. Which of you would have a son or a daughter when they're young and little and immature and unwise that would stick their hand on the oven while it's hot and just allow them to do it? Which of you would do that? Only those of you in this room that are cruel, sick monsters. That's the ones. And that's none of you. Because you love your child, you'd never let them do those types of things. And the Bible wants us to understand this very clearly. In the same way God loves us, and as we commit ourselves to pathways that bring destruction, God will correct us. And He does it because He loves us. Therefore, when correction comes, we're not to bristle at this. We're not to bow up with this. We're not to dig in with this. We're to receive it gladly because in correction is the preservation of life. And those who will receive that correction preserve their life and they thrive. He goes on, verse number 13 through 18. It's beautiful. It's a little bit broader than just correction. It's about wisdom on the whole. But let's set it up again, our, everything we're going to say today, with this as the backdrop. Happy is the man who finds wisdom. In other words, it is good for you if you have wisdom. And the man who gains understanding, listen to this, her proceeds. Who's the her? She's, he's personifying now wisdom as a person. And what kind of person? A female person, because she's beautiful. Wisdom, he wants you to see, is beautiful. Wisdom is sweet. Wisdom is lovely. Wisdom is tender. Her proceeds are better than silver. Her gain than fine gold. In other words, the greatness of all the jewelry in the world. Wisdom is better than those things. She is more precious than rubies. And all the things that you desire cannot be compared with her. Length of days is in her right hand. In recent days and weeks, we've had the conversation that we've had with our children a whole bunch of times, but we circle back on it ever so often. Listen, when mommy and daddy tell you to do something, when mommy and daddy tell you not to do something, 
It's because mommy and daddy know a thing or two that you don't. Mommy and daddy are not wiser than you are because we're smarter than you are, because we're better than you are. We're wiser than you because we have made our mistakes. And we don't want you to make those mistakes. We want you to learn from our mistakes. And in this wisdom, there's length of days for you. It is well for you. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are of the ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to those who will take her, hold of her, and happy is the one who retains her. This is wisdom. So the first thing I want you to see here is that those who receive correction preserve life and thrive. Proverbs chapter 6, verse number 23. You write that down or you can follow along in the notes, either one. Listen to what the Proverbs say here. For the commandment, for the commandment is a lamp and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Now what I want you to notice here in this proverb is the metaphor of light that is being used. And it's all in the, the notion of God's instruction to us. His commandment is like a lamp. What do lamps do? They illuminate. They make that which is dark and you cannot see and understand and navigate. They illuminate it such that, oh, this is where I'm supposed to go and this is where I'm not. And so the commandment of God is like a lamp. It illuminates. The law is like a light. The metaphor that the proverb is using here is the metaphor of light. God's correction to us is like that. God's correction to us enables us to see more clearly. God's commandment to us therefore keeps us from disaster. So there's this metaphor of light. Proverbs 20 verse number 5. Listen to this. Counsel in the heart of a man is like a deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Here he uses the metaphor of a well, right? The metaphor of a well. There's a well with water down in it. And why do you go to a well? What is it that you need? You need water. You need that cool, crisp water. And what is it that that water does? It refreshes the soul. It satisfies the desire. It fulfills and sustains in life. What is he saying to us? He's saying that God's correction to us is like that. That when we are corrected by God, by His counsel, it does these things for us. It restores, it satisfies, it sustains us. Proverbs 25, verse number 12. Like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise rebuke to an obedient ear. Once again, the metaphor of jewelry. Which is to say that God's correction to us is more precious to us than the finest jewels of this earth. And so my point to you, first of all, here today, is that those who receive correction preserve their life and they thrive. The second thing I want to show you in the book of Proverbs here about correction is this. That receiving correction is the mark of true wisdom. As I said to you in the opening, one of the things Proverbs is going to say to us really loudly today is that, listen, if God corrects you and you reject it, you're a fool. Simply put, listen to this. And by contrast, if God corrects you and you receive it, it's the mark of true wisdom. Proverbs chapter 15, verse number 31. Listen to this. The ear that hears the rebukes of life will abide among the wise. Point here being that if you're the kind of person that when God rebukes you or corrects you, that when that happens and you receive it, you are now abiding with the wise. That means you have given yourself to a life of wisdom 
and you will walk in it and be directed by it. This is the mark of true wisdom. Proverbs 19, verse number 21 through 20, 20 through 21. Listen to this. Quote, listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your later days. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. The idea here is of listening and receiving instruction and that this is the thing that makes a person wise. I mean, really, again, the difference between the wise and the fool is not, not because one is better, not because one is smarter. It's simply that the wise have made their mistakes, but the wise have also heard and received their instruction of the Lord and the correction of the Lord, and they respond well to it. And so receiving correction is the mark of true wisdom. Now, by contrast, thirdly, rejecting correction is the mark of foolishness. If I'm wise because I've received correction, then I'm foolish because I've rejected correction. Now here, listen, this is a simple, simple point from the book of Proverbs. I'll give you a couple passages of Scripture to make the point very quickly, but I really want all of us to just listen to this for a moment with an eye towards ourselves. Because as I opened up this morning, all of us can be stubborn sometimes. What I'm particularly concerned about in this message, though, is what are we stubborn with regard to? When correction from the Word of God comes, when there's something in our lives that is indeed sinful, when there's something in our relationships that is indeed destructive, do we just dig in and justify ourselves all the time? Or do we receive the correction because this is the mark of wisdom or foolishness? Listen to this, Proverbs 15, verse 12. A scoffer does not love one who corrects him, nor will he go to the wise. In other words, this is the mark of a true fool right here. What does he do with wisdom? You want to know if somebody's a fool or not? It's like when a vampire walks in a room of holy water or something, they, or sunlight busts through the window. They cover themselves. This is what a fool does to wisdom. They, they recoil against wisdom. The scoffer will, does not love the person who corrects him. And they will not go to the one who is wise. Proverbs 19, verse 29. Judgments are prepared for scoffers. Listen to this. And beatings for the back of fools. Which is to say the one who will, will not receive instruction will give himself to a pathway and he will have to eat the bitter fruit of his actions. You reject the correction of God, then what that really means is not only one are you saying to God you know better than Him, but second of all, you are saying that I believe this pathway is good for me and you commit your pathway to it, but it is a pathway of destruction. And once you've committed yourself to that pathway of destruction, there are consequences, sometimes brutal consequences for those actions. And so, rejecting correction is the mark of foolishness. Four. Wisdom and correction are essential for the big decisions of life. Think about the major, major decisions we have made in our lives without seeking the proper counsel from the Word of God or from the Spirit of God in prayer. Listen to what Proverbs tells us. Proverbs 24, verse number 6. For by wise counsel you will wage your own war. And in a multitude of counselors there is safety. Which is to say, when it comes to the big things of life, like waging war, you do so with counsel, instruction, correction from the Word of God, from the Spirit of God, from the people of God. And in doing this, in the multitude of counselors, there's a safety there. Why? 
All right, let me go these pause, make sure we understand what that means. In a multitude of counselors, there is safety. That is, in the major decisions we make, when we seek out wisdom from as many wise people as we can possibly receive it from, there's safety in that. You know why? It's because you don't have the ability, nor do I. No, does no single person have the ability to see everything that might need to be seen? Fact is, I have a limited perspective with a limited capacity, and I will only ever see just a sliver of the whole pie. But yet, by exposing myself to the counsel of other people, I may indeed hear some things that I don't want to hear, but I may indeed get a fuller picture of the consequences of my actions. And so there's safety in it for these reasons. Proverbs 11, verse number 4. Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in a multitude of counselors, there's safety. It's the second time the book of Proverbs has said that to us, right? And in other places as well. But where there is no counsel, the people fall. Which is to say, when we don't receive counsel and correction, we ultimately set ourselves up for a pathway of difficulty. Five. Fifth. Those who reject correction bring harm on themselves. This is perhaps some of the saddest Proverbs in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 10, verse number 17. Listen to this. He who keeps instruction is in the way of life. But he who refuses correction goes astray. Which is to say that when we don't heed correction and instruction and we go about things our own way, we ultimately get off the pathway that pleases the Lord. And in that there is destruction. Proverbs 13 verse number 18. Listen to this. There is a consequence to our actions. It's not just that God is displeased with us. It's that we will have set ourselves on a pathway that brings harm. Proverbs 13, 18. Listen to this. Poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction. But he who regards a rebuke will be honored. Notice this. Those who reject correction from the Lord end up with poverty and shame. By contrast, those who receive correction, they have a place of honor and they embrace it. Six, I have at least one more of these or two of these. They're going to be a little bit bigger, so these middle ones are a little shorter, but hang with me for just a second. Six, sometimes harsh correction is necessary. The Proverbs tell us in a multitude of places, I'll give you two of them very quickly, that sometimes difficulty needs to come. Sometimes harsh circumstances need to result. Proverbs 15 verse 10. Listen to this. Harsh discipline is for him who forsakes the way. And he who hates correction will die. He who hates correction will die. It's a pathway of destruction and of death. And so therefore, sometimes harsh discipline is necessary. For who? It's for those who forsake the way. Proverbs 26 verse 3. Listen to this. A whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey... And a rod for the fool's back. In other words, there are some times when difficult, bad things must result as a way of teaching. Listen, I'll just say it to you this way. I know of no better teacher than reality itself. You know what? Reality can teach some things that parents can't teach. 
that professors can't teach, that preachers can't teach. I mean, it's not that we're not teaching it, it's just that it's not heard. It's not received. It falls on deaf ears. But reality has this way of making things crystal clear to people. Reality has this way of punching people in the gut and waking them up all of a sudden. Sometimes a big old fat dose of reality is what's needed as the proper medicine to cure the disease. One of the best things that happened, people talk to me and say, well, you know, Jamie, you, you, know, you made your mistake. Absolutely, I made my mistakes. And God gave you grace. Yes, He did. Let me tell you how it started. A very sobering scenario for me. You know, I'd had some things happening in my life that weren't good, but one of the best things that ever happened to me was a cop pulling me over on the side of the road, getting out of his car and drawing his weapon and putting that 9 millimeter in my face, telling me to get out of the Jeep, yanking me out, slamming me onto the hood of the car, and my head bouncing off of the hood of that car. I can remember thinking to myself two things in that moment. Ouch. And, you know, my life's not going the way I thought that it would go. I need to change something. I got arrested the second time. And boy, did it wake me up big time. I realized I high as a kite that night in the cop car. And I can remember looking over that cop and saying to him, I'm moving to Raleigh tonight. I realized at the age of 17 years old, right then, right there, that if I don't do something drastic to change myself now, I'll be dead soon or I'll spend the rest of my life in jail. And you know what? Here I am some 25 years later. I still believe that's what would have happened. One of the best things that ever happened to me is I tasted the bitter fruit of my actions that I, I dealt with the sorrow and the hardship. It was a wake-up call. And this is what Proverbs is saying. Sometimes a harsh treatment is what's necessary to get the attention of the fool. Seventh, correction is not to be wasted on the fool. Now, this is by contrast. How do, you, how, do you, how do you balance these two? How do you know which way to go sometimes? I don't know other than to say wisdom. Broadly, wisdom. So therefore, saturate yourself with it. Consume all of it that you can receive. Wisdom. Sometimes we have to address the fool. And then sometimes the book of Proverbs tells us that no, you don't even waste your time with the fool. Listen to this. Proverbs 9, verse number 8. Do not correct the scoffer, lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. Once again, you see the contrast? Man, the scoffer, you rebuke him, he hates you. The wise man, you rebuke him, he loves you for it. Because he realizes you've just saved him from great danger. But the scoffer, he takes it personal. The scoffer is hard-headed. The scoffer doesn't want correction. The scoffer just wants to be left alone to do his thing. So don't correct him, because he's only going to hate you for it. And so, big difference between these two. Proverbs chapter 17, verse number 10, listen to this. Rebuke is more effective for a wise man than a hundred blows to a fool. Wow, major, major difference between these two. A wise person, it takes just the slightest little thing in terms of correction, and he will receive it. But the fool is someone that you could beat him a thousand times, and there's nothing you can do to get his attention. And so the point is, don't waste your time. Let nature run its course. Let reality have its way, and then... He may learn. Well, one last thing, number eight. And this one I'm just going to tell you, this is going to touch personal. 
But boy, oh boy, is this a big theme in the book of Proverbs. Number eight, correct children while there's hope. Correct children while there's hope. Parents, you don't hate your children. So therefore, don't parent like you hate them. What does that mean? It means this. The worst thing you can do for your child is let them always have the way. You are shaping them deeply at a psychological level. That reality revolves around them. And it doesn't. You are training them in a deep psychological way that they are entitled. And they're not. You are training them in a deep psychological way that they can get away with anything. And they can't. So in short, by letting your children rule the roost, by, in short, by letting your children just do whatever they want to do without consequence, you are setting them up for peril. So therefore, the book of Proverbs screams to us, parents, parent. Parents, lean in and press in and make sure you teach your children correction and how to receive instruction while there is hope. What does that mean? It means because when they're little, they're still shapeable. But the older they get, they are calcifying. We as people get set in our ways. We calcify. We become impervious. Nothing can penetrate. Nothing can seep in. We're set in our ways. And so therefore, when they're little, shape. Listen to what Proverbs says. Proverbs 19, verse number 18. Chasten your son while there is hope. And do not set your heart on his destruction. Woo. Let's listen to this one. Proverbs 19, verse 18, chasten your son while there is hope, and don't set your heart on his destruction. Two things to take note of here. That number one, the proverb is making it clear that the window of effective formation is in the youth. It's early in life. That's the effective window of time to shape and to form. And if you, listen, if you don't get it in, under control early and keep it under control, then when they become teenagers and young adults, listen, it's too late. You try to press in then, it, it's, oh, no. It's incredibly difficult, if not impossible. So you do it while they're young, while there's still hope. But then the second thing he, I want you to see him in this verse here is that not only is that the window of time to do it where there's hope, but listen to me, this is the hard one. The proverb seems to be implying to us that if you don't do that, then you have set your heart on his destruction. You've just committed yourself to a pathway that's for their harm. So parents, parent. I know it's tiring. I know it's exhausting. It is absolutely exhausting. I know that. But now is the time. Listen, somebody said it to me this, this way one time. In the parent-child relationship, someone has to be the adult. And parent, that's you. Your job is for, not first and foremost to be their buddy or their friend. 
Yes, I hope that that's a component and an aspect of the relationship, but that can't be the sum total end-all be-all. You can't walk around on eggshells and be afraid to press in because if you do that, you're committing yourself to their destruction. Proverbs 22, verse 15, listen to this. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child and the rod of correction will drive it far from them. All right, now let's look at this verse. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. Is this a statement condemning children? Of course not. The Bible loves children. Jesus loved children. But it is an acknowledgement of their developmental nature at that moment. Here's a big difference between a child and an adult. A child has not yet developed yet mentally such that he even could calculate good and bad, number one. They've also not developed morally. They don't yet have a moral compass. There might be some inclinations there that are hardwired in, but it's not been developed in the life of a child at this point. So they don't have the intellectual development. They don't have the moral development. Let me tell you what they do have. They have a real flair for fun. And praise God for that. Let them giggle. Let them laugh. They're going to break the lamp every now and then, you know? I'm not saying stifle it all out. But when you see a child going down a pathway that clearly demonstrates a lack of concern for the things of God, or you see a child going down a pathway where they don't love other people, in other words, in short, when you see a child going in a pathway that's contrary to the two great commandments, love God and love people, there's a problem. Lean in and press into that moment. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. I know there's lots and lots and lots and lots of debate about whether or not you should spank. I won't even take up that topic right here right now. Let me just say this. Spank or not spank. Parent, you better find something that will get their attention. And I'll be honest with you. I got four of them right there. And if I tried to discipline all four of them in exactly the same way, it would be ineffective. Because every one of their psyches is different. They respond fundamentally different to different kinds of things. And I need to be a student of each one of those little boogers. And I need to know how to apply the pressure in the right places at the right moments to get their attention. Parent, that's the job. It's correction. You lean in to preserve their life. Proverbs 29, verse 15 through 17. Listen to this. The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Correct your son and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give delight to your soul. In other words, what the Proverbs is noting here is the ability for a child to bring shame and dishonor and sorrow on the life of the whole family. Proverbs 23, verse 13. Do not withhold correction from a child. For if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. Again, the point is here, sometimes severe correction is necessary. But it is life-giving because it keeps us from the ways of destruction. Well, the book of Proverbs, once again, all up on my toes. Some of you have said to me over recent weeks, Brother, you're stamping all over my toes today. Well, look, I got it first in the preparation and the consideration of the Scriptures. There is wisdom in this, and there's life in this. And I urge you, I beg, I hope, I pray that you are not recoiling 
and rejecting the word of God in its correction to us this morning. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for Jesus, our Lord. Help us to be people of wisdom. Help us to be people that receive correction, respond well to it. Lord, we love you and we give ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.